Archimist in the making would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is being curated and produced. We'd also like to pay our respects to all First Nations elders past and present and extend that respect to all First Nations people who may be listening in on our conversations today and celebrate their continuing connection to land and water. As we are here today to listen and share, we hope that this will inspire everyone who is listening to dedicate a time and space to listen to our First Nations people's stories. For it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Quick interruption. In case the editing goes a little bit weird, just a little disclaimer that during our recording, unfortunately, my computer froze up. So as we were discussing about Adam Butler's article on LinkedIn about addressing our generation being weak, I guess we'll just continue on from there and apologies for any strange interruptions. Anyhow, back to it. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Archimist Podcast Season 4, Hero Phenomena, which is an extension of the blog Archimist in the Making. I'm your host, Kim Blue Ho, an architecture graduate and writer who is interested in architecture's intersection with anything and everything. This season is definitely focusing on a lot of the topics or a lot of the conversation points that all we have encountered during our uni years and perhaps even leading on to now as we start establishing our journeys. So joining me today... I have Dinny Lee, who I'm sure many of you will recognize as she is no stranger to this podcast, nor this platform. And as always, before I begin, Dinny, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself. Hi, um, I'm Dinny Lee. So I'm a recent graduate from Bachelor of Architectural Design from RMIT. So I've just finished that and I'm hoping to start my master's next year. I also have an interest for things architecture, art and kind of trying to pursue a bit of my own practice as well in um, public art projects and some commissions recently and yeah I'm currently just started working again Um, yeah so it's kind of exciting stuff is happening for me lots of lots of avenues to take if not we can always say that we are trying to achieve as much as we can be in our Mm. early 20s so yeah firstly congratulations on finishing a bachelor's I'm very 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 proud of (laughs) you yeah it's it's been a long time it doesn't feel like that but also it's been a long time so I guess the reason why we have this conversation today, as the title suggests, imposter syndrome, which I'm sure we are probably the nth number oh of podcasts to have discussed about imposter syndrome. And I think it's also a really important one to talk about, especially going back to the very, very first episode that I ever recorded with my friend Izzy, where we talked about validation and I guess mm. having certainty in ourselves. And I feel like imposter syndrome is a very good way to reflect back on that as well as reflect on our stance as well yeah so I think before we get started to define imposter syndrome I guess in my own terms and I'll get your opinion as well for me is imposter syndrome is basically not feel like you're qualified or you feel like you're the right person to be doing the thing that you're doing now Um, and it's a feeling that is quite unsettling uh, especially in particular new environments, I would say, as or perhaps like revisiting something you haven't done for ages, and it can pop up anytime, anywhere, even if you think you've got the hang of it. 
as well so I don't know about you yeah definitely I I have to agree with that and we'll just before we started I was talking about um I was talking about this a bit it's a bit like um fish out of water um Mm -hmm. I think for me it's it's more like it can be a gradual sort of subtle thing where you don't feel like you belong there or whatever and then sometimes it can be very sudden it could be because of a certain person or it could be just like you're not feeling it or like the context changes um but it's definitely I would say that it's yeah kind of like a fish out of water thing it doesn't mean that you actually are underqualified or underskilled it's more like the feeling of it to me and it's kind of like you mess with your own mind a bit like you start to doubt yourself and that self-doubt is probably something we'll talk about yeah so when was your first time encountering imposter syndrome or when was that feeling before you were able to apply that fact I mean definitely like year 11 year 12 was probably the biggest like I I've found myself just mentally in year 11 year 12 like going through a lot and kind of coming to terms with like hey you weren't the smartest kid on the block you know um I think Mm -hmm. in a weird way year four like I almost failed year four it was really random um, but I, that is really it's so random like year four was the strangest time for me like I was one of those kids who just kind of like did well throughout and then I hit year four for some reason I was just not feeling it and I, I think I tried to do a lot of stuff by myself where else like other kids had like parents building models for them and I'm like no it's fine I'll do it myself and so yeah like I had all these random like I think I cried at the end of this one presentation it was like this is very deep. Um, it was like this presentation about a cruise ship or something. Really random. So I did yeah. Spirit, Spirit yeah. of Tasmania. And then I couldn't find any information because the website was terrible back in like 2008 or nine or something. And I had like barely anything on this like really sad poster. And I just like crumpled. And I just felt like, oh, man, I'm what am I doing here? Like, how how did it come to this? But yeah, like that's probably my earliest memory of imposter syndrome just feeling like why am I even here like what have I done wrong (laughs) kind of yeah and I think definitely in year 11 year 12 it kind of struck again where I was like I think you kind of get a bit challenged sometimes as well and you get put out of your comfort zone comfort zone and then um you sort of start to doubt yourself I think that's where it starts to enter and then from that you start thinking am I even supposed to be here is this like is it like am I the only one who's doing it wrong or like yeah yeah, it's interesting because the first thing I thought of when you said year four, and I think coming, sorry, I I feel like this is a trait that I need to work on, but just stereotypically speaking, do you think our background of being quite competitive? I think for me, I I went to a, a public, like a public primary school for most of my primary school life Um, before I went to like... <laughs> PLC where there's like a lot of Asian kids but um we had very small population of Asian kids or just non-Caucasian kids in my primary school and I didn't feel like there was that much competitiveness um and I don't think I put I think I just had a normal amount because my family aren't like really intense about they're not typical Asian family where like you know get them good grades kind of like you have three different instruments that you play and you you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff, right? Like, we're pretty chill. Um, but I think I have a lot of pressure over myself, and I still do. And I, I don't think that there's pressure for my family because of cultural stuff. But I think that 
I have an like I feel like okay I have to keep up a certain standard because I'm here now you know just try your best I think that's sort of the overall thing is like do your best and you know just kind of keep on going and yeah I don't, I don't know I think if, in it, if anything it's more subtle for me I don't know about you I think personally for me my cousins and I I forgot where I've mentioned this before but my cousins and I we all want to strive to do the best because it used to be like you know content for gossip at dinner tables <laughs> you get what I'm talking about right you're like oh my this time you just got a a plus for his history test kind of stuff yeah yeah there's there's no hostility towards each other it's just that that was our reality that I knew and then it was only until I moved to Australia and I think I was slightly removed from that but that that didn't help because I did meet other students who were relatively competitive when we were in primary school because how do I put it I think just the students that I interacted with back in year five and year six they were no, 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 I wasn't. I was still in a public mm. primary school. And it just happened so that those students who I was surrounded with were more academically inclined. Uh, if not, their parents also had really high expectations. And mm. because, how do I say, I think I'm somebody... environment. Kind yeah, of. yeah. It was just that environment. And I think the fact that they talked about a lot and you just see them get awards mm-hmm. a lot and you're just yeah. wondering, like, when will I be good enough to have that recognition and such so it was a bit of a pressure and I would also say like I I don't think it's imposter syndrome perhaps it's more about self-esteem which I think does affect how people take in imposter syndrome Mm. right because for me personally I don't think I had imposter syndrome until I was in uni perhaps I don't know if it was more of a maturity thing or if it's a self-esteem thing or a confidence thing but going back to my conversation with Estina right I went into architecture not knowing what mm. architecture was not knowing who were Le Corbe is Zaha Hadid is <laughs> Norman Foster is my dad knew who Norman Foster was so I'm just like so am I even supposed to be in architecture when he has no idea what architecture is so it was this constant cycle of trying to be how do I say it? just trying to feel like I was in the mm. right place and that was the main struggles of it until like I realized what I started until I realized like during the past two years when I came back from Hong Kong that's when I realized what imposter syndrome is so yeah I it didn't I didn't realize it was imposter syndrome until like during our time capsule conversation when you said like oh so you were feeling a bit of imposter syndrome like oh my goodness so that was all that was the whole time of being a fraud but we'll go deeper we'll go into that a little Um, later but that point about like when you found yourself around people who were also quite academically competitive or competitive about their academics Mm -hmm. um you kind of start to get a bit submerged in that I definitely felt that like NPLC like for better or for worse there's there's a definite culture there we still love the high school because we had a good experience yeah no okay everyone's supportive but there's like this overall thing of like you know, grades and stuff are really important. Yeah, but like definitely year 11, year 12, that that IB period was um, interesting being surrounded with like a lot of really amazing, highly academic people and like great friends, but it was a very different environment for me. And I think that being surrounded by that also can, can affect you. Like imposter syndrome to me is something that you feel yourself, but it's also by being around, you know, in a certain context where you start to feel like, am I supposed to be in this? Yeah, and I would say like, then did you find yourself putting other people on pedestal then? Because I feel like that's what 
to me that was one of the things that I had about imposter syndrome and I feel like that is now going back to maybe uni uh probably during my master's year when people came back from their mm-hmm. year out because I didn't take a gap mm-hmm. year right which I would love to do an episode on that shortly but it was just that people came back from their gap year and they looked so like much more mature than I mm. am I was and I am still to this day and they were able to still impart all these knowledge while having that practical knowledge with them and also I think there was maybe like people who went to go and work for you yeah 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 they that was it was quite popular it still is and I do recommend it for those who are considering it but we'll go into that another time another day um and so yeah I have this problem of putting other people on pedestals and I think I've been doing it's actually been a long time self-deprecating habit that I still do to this day I try not to do as much as I do um used to but like even back in first year right people who were able to spat out all these architectural theories or people who put out really amazing work but (laughs) at the cost of their health and so I would then look around I'm thinking like am I supposed to be you know pulling all-nighters or like burning the midnight oil so then I could get to as good as they were yeah or sometimes like they don't and you're like wait am I supposed to have an amazing sleep schedule and still churn out amazing work like what I mean, I don't think my work was amazing, but at least I had enough yeah, sleep. Had, had a good sleep schedule. Yeah, yeah, unlike somebody who I'm talking to right now. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to throw it under the bus. Um, but what you said about the pedestal thing, I don't see it as a pedestal. I think I see it as not quite jealousy, but like they're, they're setting the bar for me. Like I got to keep up with the pack sort of. Mm-hmm. That's That's how I interpret it um and I definitely feel that like I feel like I tell myself like hey don't don't feel inclined to like you know do that but you know still end up kind of scoping out who who do you think is like the most um I don't know capable or whatever um whether it's in your class or in your cohort or you know you go through like exhibition Mm. or something you're like oh wow that's really great you know this person always does really great work um but yeah, I've definitely mm. felt that, especially during uni where you're just trying, like especially your yeah, first year where you're just trying to like keep up and mm. keep, you know, stop yourself from drowning almost. Um, yeah. And and it takes a while as well for you to sort of get a, a rhythm um, in terms of studying architecture, like in definitely the studios, like trying to get your own style or just trying to get your own, um, get comfortable with your own abilities and your own opinions and your own ideas. Um, and you sort of can get swayed a bit. You can get a bit doubtful or a bit unsettled. I think, it, yeah, it was something that in first year and even a bit of second year, it kind of took me a while to get a hang of. And it definitely came out in my own work. Like if someone else would, maybe not if someone else did something, but like, you know, you try to aspire to whether it's level of conversation or, you know, visually what's there. You try to like, you know, for the next week, build your work to be as good as that or, or whatever the trend of that week is, you know. And I think later on in, in second year and, and afterwards, I started to feel a bit more like, no, I've got my own sort of stuff that I want to do and take a bit more pride in that. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Like sometimes, I don't know, someone produces really great work and the tutor's like, hey, guys, like just going to point out like this is the sort of stuff we're looking for like like in the best way possible like they don't mean anything by that like they don't mean to like pull you all down but like you kind of 
think to yourself, oh man, I've got to do that now. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's hard to find a balance between your kind of work and, and seeing someone else's work and trying to just, you know, respect it, but not feel like you've got to then live up to that, live up to that kind of expectation. Yeah, because I think the one of the questions I actually wanted to ask was obviously when you were in first year and RMIT's curriculum is very different to what I did at Monash, uh, very different mm-hmm. to Melbourne Uni and Deakin University, evidently, because if I'm correct, RMIT mixed students together. Is that correct? Like in first year, do you have a mix? Okay, so first semester, they call it foundation semester, so it's only first years, but mm-hmm. then after that, um, you know, you do your first studio and that's mixed up. You end up really with a lot of, I think you end up with a lot of, because the way the semesters work out, let me just think, you end up with first years, second mm-hmm. years, and third, no, and yeah, first years and second years. But when you go into second year, you've got second years and third years in your first semester because like the way, because you do a master's yep. studio in your last semester in third year. Um, so you're not doing a bachelor's, if that makes sense. So you, you end up getting mixed up with quite a lot of, different people which I quite like because I think like sometimes having people who are older than you there's that you know that general expectation of they've got more experience and then therefore there's that expectation of them to do a lot better so I guess like first there's you looking up to others but then I wonder if there's that also pressure of people looking up to you especially like you know going to second year and third year that pressure of setting that standard for yourself ah that's interesting like the flip side of what it's like to be on the other side yeah because I had a friend in when he was studying masters in fourth year he was saying like I expected the fifth years to give us a standard there were hardly any fifth years (laughs) by the way and he said that and I'm just like oh shouldn't you set your own standards like instead of depending on somebody else to you know raise the bar for you as well, or if not, look at other studios who could be able to give you that standard. Like, mm-hmm. That's why I just wanted to ask, like, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, yeah, you don't have that experience from Monash because you guys aren't mixed together. Um, I, ooh, I don't think I felt that much. I think because mm-hmm. the studio kind of theme tends to drive it instead of, oh, because you're a year older or whatever, you should be more experienced. I mean, there is a – there's, like – in terms of marking, maybe they'll like mark you a little bit more critically, but um, I don't really feel like that, which is yeah. kind of a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like in in my first year, we had like about two second years, I think, and I think at the start, the rest of us first years kind of thought like, oh, they must be like, you know, the second years must be like they don't know what's happening, um, <laughs> and then we later realized like, no, no shade or anything, like you just kind of made us realize like oh like you know everyone's kind of in the same boat still like you know you're still learning um and I think that's good because if you're older sometimes you might feel like you need to step up your game and and be like no I'm definitely a second year or third year like because sometimes like I've seen you know crits and and classes where like the tutor's been like you know you are a year old I do kind of expect a bit more from you guys which is yeah that's kind of like a bit scary because then you're like oh you know there's that extra added pressure but personally I I think if I'm I think on the other it's weird because yeah I, I felt sometimes like maybe people treat me in the way that I have maybe felt about people like it's not jealousy or anything it's just like oh wow you you know your work seems to be like really good or whatever okay like that's really nice it, it's you know it will come to the validation thing soon 
Uh, so like self-absorbed or something (laughs) but um oh I used to do this thing in like lectures when we had like in-person lectures back in first year and stuff where I would write really quickly like I'd write like like my notes super quickly I think it was really not loud but kind of people looked over my shoulder were like wow I should be writing so fast oh my god should I be writing notes too like in the lecture theater you know there's the added pressure of like oh am I supposed to be writing this down which is um, yeah. a very interesting thing because you can psych people out. But yeah, I think that on the being on the other side of things, like if you see it, it's it's sort of weird because then you're like, hey, I don't think I'm that good, but they do. Am I that good? Um, and then like their work is like fine. It's like really good. And, and I think there's definitely this thing of like, I don't know about pedestal, but like you try to find out like who is the marker almost or the standard for better or for worse. Yeah. I think it's... Um how do I say it's innate for us to constantly compare ourselves with each Mm -hmm. other because it's so visual but but I think also it's not it's not you know I've got to be the best it's kind of like as a standard of like you know am I okay yeah matching those expectations and I think it comes down to having that confidence and then going off as we mentioned earlier having that self-esteem and validation because I honestly think imposter syndrome how we approach it or how we handle it once we realize that we've mm-hmm. got it comes down to those two things right so like I have very very low self-esteem in uni even though like when I present my works I can be very very confident but then afterwards once I finish all of that I start internalizing everything oh I'm my god like, oh yes my god. I should have done this I should have done that and it's also like you see I think this is just this is a problem with me that I also need to work with, but it's like also being recognized for your Definitely. work. Like, because it comes down to that sometimes because I feel like I see other students being invited to being guest crits for other studios. And I would oh, be whoops, like, <laughs> oh, I didn't oh. hear anything. Oh, good. And I would be like, oh, no, I oh. mean, like, I'm, I'm that, I'm that kid who got invited to do guest crits. <laughs> oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you you don't you know what I'm getting at right yeah. it's like being recognized being know that your work is good enough that you can represent the school be the face of the school and I think again I don't know where this stems from but yeah it's just that I think being recognized that form of validation is important or at least it felt very important to us but and so that when we didn't get it or that it had to come from our own efforts as well as in like being the ones to reach out and put mm. your hand up like therefore it's like you know you have to work hard to get there in comparison to some people who I guess perhaps it is a sense of jealousy or envy and be like I would like to be that person where somebody else just extends mm. a ha- hand out and say that I'd like to have you you know and yes I know in this day and age everybody's like you need to validate yourself give yourself validation you don't need anybody else's validation but I'm sorry I'm going to disagree here and say that no we do need validation but in terms of affirmation or encouragement and support we do need doses of those time to time yeah it's like that kind of support where someone says like hey I really like your work or just hey like I I think you know hang in there like I think you're doing pretty well or just yeah, that kind of reassurance. I think it depends on who it's coming from as well in terms of validation. Like peers is great, but like sometimes if it's, you know, you know, a crit or something or tutors or, yeah, like something that kind of make, makes you kind of realise, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm there, like I can take a breather. Yeah, validation is really important. And I, I'm, you know, for better and for worse, it's become a thing 
that I definitely kind of have in my life. Like I need to sort of, you know, someone's there to be like, hey, or just like suggest like it's okay, you know. I think my big fear, and that's part of why we have imposter syndrome, is like my fear of failure or just the fear of like, Mm. you know, you, you get the kind of all of a sudden like, you know, it turns out you're not doing well and it starts to dawn on you and you're like, oh, you start shooting yourself. Trying to cope with that is a whole nother thing that I think I, <clears throat> I think I try to never sink so that if you don't fall, you'll never sink, if that makes sense. Like if you don't get to that point, you'll never have to deal with that. So you keep like trying to keep afloat. Yeah, it's not a good thing, but it's a thing that's happened. Sorry, I forgot what we're talking about before that. No, 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 it's completely fine. I think like the more we talk about this, I'm asking myself like, are we a really fragile generation? <laughs> like, like, you know how back then people would be like, oh, suck it up or like toughen up. Imposter syndrome about imposter syndrome. <laughs> it's such an exception. But like it reminds me of that article uh, i forgot who wrote it but it was on linkedin was it ida butrose so i don't know what that is uh, that, that thing's weird let's not talk about that um but basically talking about us millennials being really fragile that we need a hug and such i'm not thinking no 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 it's it's not that it's just that i get that back then different generations have different sort of pressures different sort of traumas mm-hmm. and such but then you have to also understand that our generation has a have a different complete different sense of different set of pressures and different sets of traumas that we've experienced ourselves as well I think also the expectation is different like maybe for past generations they're expected to be to kind of hold themselves in a certain way that wouldn't show that emotional insecurity but for us it's it's totally fine to but how do I say like Maybe maybe it's okay for us to show that, but then at the same time we need that support and that's something that we're oh, this, this is not healthy. <laughs> You're okay. Me. I'm so um, sorry. No, I was gonna say like I mean it's Ida Butt Rose, right? She's 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 quite old. Um <laughs> I'm just saying, like she's from an older generation, right? So I think yeah, like, yeah, I that's just what like, I mean. grandparents yeah, and stuff and, and there's this sort of expectation to like you don't show that side. Especially when it comes to like, mm-hmm. work or something, like you, you don't show that that you're emotionally you know not doing too well but for us it's something that is totally fine to talk about you know we allow ourselves to be emotionally openly emotionally secure or to a certain degree that's like less of a restraint for us like I think again it comes down to your upbringing and such and evidently yeah I don't think that's a right and wrong I think it's just the way that things have had have happened and now the way that things are happening now yeah yeah I agree like now that we are starting to become more emotionally aware. I think it comes down to how we tackle it or how do we talk to these concerns that we have, mm. right, when it comes to, again, going back to the self-esteem thing and then imposter syndrome. I think it's very hard to separate the two of them together because I think you can't just talk about imposter syndrome as, like, feeling inadequate and such because I think it goes hand-in-hand hand again with, like, you know, there's a whole heap of things yeah oh uncertainty is such a big thing (laughs) yeah it's this it's this i mean uncertainty is perpetual like it's always going to be that way but i think it's the way react is like that the you know the fear of failure the fear of what's ahead um or what could be how people might interpret it it's it's very much um something that we probably all need to work on and just kind of accept but that's one of the kind of triggers or kind of factors in this i don't know if we talk about self-doubt which is sort of similar yeah it's sort of this underlying thing of like you know you're doing you're going along you're doing the thing and then all of a sudden that voice is like hey hey are you sure that's the right thing and then you're like shut up 
like, it's fine. And then they're like, are you sure? And you're like, nope. nope. Yeah. Um, yeah, like starts to kind of wheedle into your mind. Going back to like current day present, I think I don't have it as much as I used to, but I think when I was teaching again, like because mm-hmm. I, I had this comment, somebody said to me, and then going back to when I said to myself in the first year, I'm like, I would rather somebody who has some practical experience to teach me. And then oh, me last year teaching <laughs> all that talk. And then, and it was just like, trying to tell myself that I have experience I have the professional experience but not the type of ones that you expect I've had more experience in terms of dealing with other people because I was mainly doing project coordination and such and I guess because I was so hung up about being in the practice that I was asking myself was I even qualified to teach you know oh my god yeah I think like on a slightly separate thing the industry and the you know, university thing, they're two very, I'm starting to realize they're two very different yeah, worlds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what you were saying about how you kind of wondered if you were underqualified, like I was asked to do like some, like two guest crits for a studio I was lost in. And like, yeah, I kind of, especially the second one, it was like really, really random, like last minute. They was like, oh, like, hey, we can't get someone. Would you want to do a guest crit for like their final? And I was like, uh, okay. And then my brain, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready yet for this. I was just going to sit in the background and watch it, but um, okay. And then, yeah, like I was with another person who runs their own studio and I was feeling a bit out of like, you know, am I even saying the right things or is this just rubbish? Especially because like you're trying to keep up with what they're presenting to you and yeah. it's my sort of first few times of like really being a crit and you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm an authority <laughs> on this too. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, but I think it's it's also putting yourself out there. Like we both have, you know, imposter syndrome and all the things that come with it. But at the same time, we're both doing so much and we're both like pursuing all these opportunities. And we have a, I think that's the thing, like we have such a high um, expectation of ourselves, but that's not a bad thing as well. Like we kind of maybe not push ourselves, but we definitely have this, you know, internal sort of fire to like, you know, do the best and just do what we want to do. And, and I think that's a good thing because some people don't have that. It's I don't think it's quite ambition so much as like fulfilling your potential. And then I think there's that other case of for those people who look at those who are achieving quite a lot and wonder if they need to do the same. Because like one of my closest friends, we were watching a television show and one of the characters was so depressed because everybody around her was talking about dreams and ambitions and she was suddenly felt so relieved when one of them was went over to her and said that, hey, I don't have an ambition now and I don't know if I have to have no. it now. And my friend who sat next to me said like, that's right. I don't I don't see why is everybody so hung up on no. having a goal immediately and it really put some things to perspective as well because I think there's that I think there's also that expectation of others sometimes when it comes oh, yeah. to imposter syndrome right or like just even collaboration with people like you have to understand that everybody's expectations are different but it's just that there's that danger of us imposing that expectation we have on ourselves and to others and it could potentially become quite an unhealthy environment yeah definitely like I have friends who are just kind of especially like this whole uni thing like they're just kind of not really not really sure if that they want to do and like they just it's not that they don't have any dreams or goals or ambitions but it's not like you know burning I want to become like the best architect or like have my own practice or (laughs) my friends outside of architecture like there's there's like they don't have that necessarily and I think that's also fine and I think 
Like I can notice that sometimes they feel a bit like, oh man, maybe I should, but then I don't really want, like I don't really have anything or I don't really want to. And is that okay? Like almost in reverse of like trying to, like it's it's an imposter syndrome, but it's not like to aspire to be one of the best. It's like an imposter syndrome where it's like, do I have to feel like that? instead Mm -hmm. and I think that's also totally valid like there's the thing about realizing all of a sudden that you don't have to you know do the whole career kind of climbing the the ladder of of, I guess success you can just kind of have your nice day job that you know gives you the money and then do whatever you want or just watch Netflix like I'm I'm starting to realize that like working nine to five five days a week man that you know watching tv after work you know going from one screen to the other is sort of nice (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I guess perhaps to wrap up on this point in terms of imposter syndrome, because mm. honestly, as I said, there's so many podcast people who talk about this. But I think like concluding on the point about fear of failure, I think for me, mine isn't so much about failure, but it's about disappointment. So mm. yeah, I'm petrified of just probably because I I I don't know whether this is a me thing or a lot of people, but I just absolutely hate to see not being able to meet other people's expectations of mm. myself. And, of course, it comes down to... Can, hmm? Do you think it could be a personality thing? Potentially. Okay, personality thing. I probably need to go back to my psychologist <laughs> and talk about this. But it's just, like, it, it comes down to, I guess, communication, right? Like, how comfortable are you in terms of communicating your expectations with your colleagues, with your friends, with your family members as well. So, like, it's working out those steps because it took me until this year. <laughs> I'm 25. And it took Wait, me I mean, this long to understand. Um, but, yeah, it's like, what, when do you expect me to get this done by? What's the ex- quality of expectations? And if you are able to feed those questions in, hopefully those people will also understand that they need to communicate their expectations. If not, just point blank and say, what are you expecting of me to accomplish and such? Because it, it it's a two-way street, I think. I don't know about you, though. No, I think that's something I'm still trying to, like, work up the courage to just tackle. Like, I, I definitely, like, even at work, I'm finding myself just sort of, having a certain expectation of what I should be doing in my head and then uh, like it doesn't necessarily match up and also because I'm online like it's it's very hard to get that very clear and I'm not like I've worked a bit before but I'm not like that familiar with how the whole you know formal workplace kind of thing goes so I'm finding it like a little bit difficult to sort of like hey is this what you want me to do and I, I feel bad for like pestering people and stuff hmm. um or I feel like I'm pestering people maybe I'm not um and no, I, I think I really admire that because I'm some, that's something that I'm trying to, yeah, like just do more often and, and get a hold of and get comfortable with actually saying, hey, like, is, you know, is this what you, what you mean? Are we on the same page? Um, yeah. And I think it's also like, for me, it's, it's who it is. Like, if it's my family, like, I don't, I have no chill. Like, you know, it's, it's your family, you don't care. Like, not that you don't care, but you're, you're more relaxed in a sense, whereas, when it's people that you work with or people at uni and stuff, it can be a different situation. Yeah. Different yeah. types of relationships impacts the way you talk. Yeah. About. You always have multiple facades around different people and that is to be expected because mm. it's, it's just, just... Yeah, like you're just kind of trying to, you know, make yourself more comfortable 
to -hmm. deal with that certain person or you know like you need to be a certain way to you know but that's more formal or informal or how do you respond I think that's okay and I think to wrap things up I would say like for those people who are wondering like imposter syndrome how do you get away from it that you can't get away from it um even from like one of the sessions I attended during Parlor's like at the end of the town series amazing series I'll put that in the notes later um it's like it's normal to feel that way to quote Margaret Devane she said like it's normal to feel this way otherwise you'd be a psychopath yeah I think it's kind of almost a check for yourself I mean if there is a solution I'm, I'm waiting to find it out but <laughs> um no I think it's part of like we're quite young and we're still trying to grow as people you know also the thing is we're women oh, very we're true. kind of new to the, the job as well you know it's all a bit out of our comfort zone and I think you know, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, would we have the same feelings that we have now? Probably mm. not. Mm. Um, or maybe about something different. But, yeah, it's also about just, like, I keep telling myself and, and my mom is like, yeah, like, you're just still learning. Like, yeah, for uni, like, I'm, I'm recognising that that, like, I'm just still in my bachelor. Like, I just finished my bachelor's and, you know, that is in itself just the starting point. You're going to come in, into your own still. And I mentioned at the start I'm, started trying to start my own art practice a bit which is a whole other conversation with a lot of imposter syndrome um where you know you doubt yourself a lot especially like with art it's quite subjective yeah and so I'm just trying to like build up a bit of confidence and just keep trying to do stuff yeah and assert myself a bit more and I just want to pick up one last point sorry we keep saying last but it's gonna keep going with us you talked about how us being women that it's Mm. very hard for us to own the things that we've accomplished which uh, I think one of my favorite podcasts ever, Shameless Podcast, they talk about like how us as women, we're always made to feel very humble, if not like, yes, being down to earth is good, but at the same time, like for some reason, somehow back then we were once pitted against each other and therefore like it's more like try to stay out of the spotlight as much, but it's quite damaging and I think nowadays we're all the main the most important thing is that we need to lift each other up as well very different tangent I know but no I totally agree yeah it's a good one that you point out because even one of the colleagues I was speaking to the other day she's like what can you bring to the team what are your strengths and I absolutely absolutely hate that question a lot of people know this but I squirm every time somebody tells me to to talk about what I'm good at, if not even going back to that parlor talk I was talking about, like I got asked to take the compliment, I was asked to say thank you. And she, I had to say it several times because I couldn't stop squirming, according to her, that I was squirming when I was taking the compliment, like saying thank you and all. So, yeah, I find it really difficult to like yeah. take the praise or compliment, which is funny because we are talking about validation before. Yeah. <laughs> What a paradox, right? Um, so yeah, Denny, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. As always, it's always no, lovely to have you back on. And I'm definitely positive that I'll definitely pull you back here. Apart from the capsule episode, you're going to have to tell me about your art practice because we've still got so many art projects that we have to do. <laughs> do you have anything you'd like to conclude on your end? Um, oh, I mean... Um, I feel like I have a billion things to say. I've just totally forgotten them. Um, <laughs> just probably last... you write together. <laughs> but that last thing that you were saying about how we kind of made to feel like we we shouldn't, like as women, we shouldn't like, you know, whether it's being as vocal or it's being as self-assured, I definitely feel like that's 
um, something present in my life. Maybe it's also a personality thing where I don't, you know, I like I know that I'm skilled. I know that I'm good at a certain thing. But then, you know, when it comes to like looking at that for myself, I'm like, oh, no, what are you talking about? Like, no. Um, or I play it down or, yeah, I definitely notice that in myself. And even amongst other other women, which is funny that you were saying about the um, we were pitted against ourselves and stuff. You know, I, I really admire women who can do that. But I also feel like, oh, man, like going back to the imposter syndrome, like, oh, man, am I supposed to be like that? Like, you know, and, and how do I jump from where I am now to like being like that? And, and is it OK to be um, a little bit more? hesitant and and less sure of yourself like it's funny sorry it's a bit dragging on a bit but it's funny that we're, we say all <laughs> these things but we're both quite opinionated people like we've got stuff to say we just doubt ourselves or you know depending on what the moment is we kind of doubt ourselves or we're more hesitant or we you know undercut ourselves or something like that so it, it's this funny thing where like I and this is why I'm trying to push myself to like do stuff and you know be a little bit more out there um which is always a good thing they say you should do something that scares you every day (laughs) yeah no I'm I'm glad that you pointed that out so anyhow so as always Diddy do you have any social media handles that you have since you've last updated do you have one in preparation for your art one yeah even if I say it there's no point because you're gonna end up in the I mean you could try and follow me but like raise your eyebrows again it, it's fine i'll be a I mean, pub- temporary publicist yeah <laughs> i mean no you can put down my private because i do have a few people from like uni and stuff and tutors and yeah uh, yeah so that's cool try your luck people <laughs> anyhow well for our end because this is no practice oh please subscribe if you haven't already so that we could also appear in other people's podcast library and other recommendations as well if anything uh please follow us on instagram which is alchemist in the making which is all in one word but in the meantime thank you everybody who has sat through our whole conversation yeah for yeah. being with us and for pestering me to get back on i promise i'll work on it now that it's december <laughs> holiday season yay Uh, In the meantime, please stay safe and take care of yourselves and we'll see you for another episode. Bye. Bye.